Hi, my name is Dan Rielli, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who'll have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. Before children can communicate verbally, they often use complex forms of nonverbal communication, such as gestures and eye movement. In many cases, early gesturing can be predictive of language development. Researchers Makiba Wilburn and Kelsey Luca of Duke's Department of Psychology and Neuroscience talk with Dan Ariely about studies in gesturing and links between early gestures and language development. So you are both studying uh, very little kids? Yes. Why? Kids. Why? They're just... It's incredible what a baby can learn in such a short period of time. And to date, computers can't emulate the, the speed and the development at which infants acquire such incredible amounts of knowledge, especially between the, the ages of zero to three. And I've always just been so inspired and in awe of how easily they make things look that are really, when you think about it, very, very difficult in terms of taking in all the input and figuring out everything. Okay. So... Let's agree that you know babies learn things very fast and they're just curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, um, does it also mean that whatever we learn about how fast babies learn cannot be applied to anything else because it's such a special period? I think what a lot of researchers are interested in early infancy because I think it teaches us so much about later outcomes. Um, it helps us understand where things may have gone wrong, where things maybe can be facilitated, and why we get such different outcomes, you know, yeah. kids in the same environment or kids in the same schools, how come we have kids who are getting similar input, but yet their outcomes look very different. Yeah. So I think we can learn a lot about later outcomes and even into old age, looking at how infants acquire knowledge. Yeah. So, so in your view, like after three years old, let's just it's stop, it's downhill. <laughs> it's just, downhill. Just stop. Okay, so let's talk about uh, your study. So uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what, what this study was about? Before infants start communicating with their words, they actually start to communicate in really complex ways using their gestures. So they begin to point out things in their environment that they're interested in. Um, and they also begin to communicate in really complex ways using their eye movement. So they look at something that they're interested in. They look back at a caregiver. These and, and they're trying to basically get them to look at the same thing. So a yeah. kid would look at the thing. They would look at the caregiver. We make sure yeah. that the caregiver is looking at the same thing mm-hmm. and so on. So it's this really rich social triadic interaction. And one of the things uh, about these early nonverbal communicative gestures, pointing in particular and eye gaze, is they're highly, highly predictive. They're predictive of later language. They're predictive of, um, they're used to as diagnostic criteria for children who potentially on the spectrum. So more is better? Um, it depends on the age, and that's the tricky thing about development. Because I work. still point. Yes, no, so no. do I. <laughs> um, I. I gesture a lot, odd, as a gesture researcher. But one of the things is that it, it's this timeline. So in the early stages, more is better. But as a child starts developing at two, three, and four, more may be indicative of compensatory behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on the age you're looking at. So a more is more approach is really not enough. It's much more nuanced when you look at development. And you have to really be able to look at how change occurs and why. Yeah. And so as but, kids... But at the age you're looking at, more, more is more. Which, yes. which age is this? 18-month-old. 18-month-old. 
Okay, so you want to see whether kids who are 18 months old basically point and engage in this mutual attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because attention. research has consistently shown that there are these really robust links between these early behaviors and later language outcomes, but we don't really know why. So why is it that a kid who is pointing more tends to have larger vocabulary? So could it be, for example, that uh, kids who have higher whatever IQ mm-hmm. do both of those early on? Mm-hmm. So what what were you trying to do? Exactly. So we kind of wanted to see, is it is it just kids who are pointing more, they tend to be smarter in general, or is it something about the act of pointing and the act of engaging in joint attention that's actually driving word learning? Okay, so basically you're saying is is pointing and, and engaging in joint attention not an outcome of something, but actually the mm-hmm. driver? Yes, the driver, yes. So presumably, if we take kids and get them to point more mm-hmm. and get them to gaze more, mm-hmm. would that have an effect? Yeah, and studies have actually done that. So studies have designed interventions and gone in and had parents work with their kids to point more. And when kids who point more, they tend, that leads to larger vocabulary. But that still okay. doesn't tell us why, right? Okay. So doesn't tell us why. And that's really what we were after so, with this study. So, so how was your study designed? So what we did was we tested 18-month-olds. And again, this is a crucial age in language development when kids are not only learning new words at a really fast rate, but also pointing a lot and engaging in a lot of joint attention. So infants came into our lab and they sat on their parents' lap. They sat at a small table across from an experimenter. An experimenter placed two novel, fun-looking objects out of reach of the infants. For example? For example, um, those uh, little plastic things that you might put in your hair to curl it. I, you probably I, don't know I don't what have it's called. Hair, but okay. Yeah, so the point is it's just some object that they probably don't have I a see. label for. Research for. Okay. assistance when we're looking for objects, if you can, the best word to describe it is a thingy. It's mm-hmm. a good one because I see. then the kid doesn't necessarily doesn't know. have it at home okay. or have a word for it. Mm-hmm. That's great. So we have two thingies. Mm-hmm. Two thingies, exactly. Um, and we place them out of reach of the infant and we say, point to the one that you want to play with. So it's really simple. And, and they understand that. Yes, and they do. Yeah. So and they point to yeah, one? Yeah. So in response to this, sometimes they point, right? But sometimes they don't. Sometimes they reach and try to get the object and sometimes they just look at the object. And then on top of that, they either engage in joint attention, meaning that they look at that object they really want and look back at the experimenter as if to recruit them to get that object for them, right? Um, And then in response to this, whichever object the infant indicated that they wanted, the experimenter labeled. And then shortly... We call them thingy eggs. No, we call them blickets. Blickets. Oh, that's much better. Much better. Yes. So So whatever they choose is a blicket? Exactly. And then Then what? We we put the objects away. Uh, A few moments later, we bring them back out and then test them on their ability to remember that. Which one is a blicket? Yeah. So we just say, which one is the blicket? And if they look longer at the blicket, we assume that they have formed that word Uh object association. They learned that word. So now the question is, what's the relationship between pointing and joint attention and the ability to remember that something is labeled a blicket? Exactly. So what was really interesting is we did this three times and infants didn't always point. So maybe they pointed the first time, but then the second time they reached for the object to yeah. try to get it so what we wanted to and do and the same three times for the same two, two objects no three different sets of two three. objects and it was always called blickets or no sometimes no? it was a dax or it could be a oh, modi okay. exactly so obviously obviously labels. yes yeah. okay so were you if you pointed towards the blicket were you better at learning the blicket than if you had reached towards the dax yeah. Okay, so you did three times, there's some inconsistent behavior, and then there's a yeah. question of memory. Now, you did one, and then the memory, one, and then the memory? Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. So okay. it's really it's really quick, short word learning. And then? What's and the then, result? So, I'm, I'm, so we were, I'm, I'm tense already. Yeah, so we were, we were really lucky because infants actually switched their strategies, which allowed us to not just look at infants who were pointing more, were they better able than infants who weren't pointing at all? But within the same kid was a kid, when you pointed, were you better at learning I the see. label yeah. than when you reached toward it? And what we found was that infants who pointed, when they pointed, 
oriented. They were significantly better to learn that new label than if they had reached towards and, it. And the reason this within participant mm -hmm. variety is so important because they pointed first before they knew the, the word, so the, it can't be that they were more interested in Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it couldn't have just been this kid was smarter because you can't go from being really smart to not that smart within in a 12-second period. Yeah. Now, now, if it was me, I would, to control for this, I would tie the kids up so they can't, so they can't move. Yeah. And then see whether this uh, is, is reducing yeah. their ability to learn. Yes. And, and, and the attention, and the attention, I would just uh, fixate their head so that they can't, <laughs> they can't move. Yeah. And then see whether that, uh, that works. So maybe there is a kind of even better ways to do this study. Yeah. We'll see if IRB will let us tie them up. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It takes long enough as is, so we yeah. don't want to slow down the progress. The process. Yeah, but, but you have more control if you kind of completely tie them up. Uh, or maybe, maybe you could just inject them with something to paralyze mm. them. So, so what do you think you've learned in a, in a bigger sense? Yeah, so a lot right now in the media we're hearing constantly, you know, you need to talk more to your kids, you need to not just talk more, but also use different words. But what this is telling us is that infants are learning best when they're directing their experiences. So when they're initiating a communicative interaction by pointing or by engaging in joint attention, that's really when they're learning best. And so it's in these moments that our really parents can take advantage of these moments and turn them into word learning opportunities. So not only should the message be talk more to your kids, but also pay attention to what types of interactions are best for word learning. So it's really when the kid is directing, directing mm -hmm. the experience that they're best able to learn a new word. And there's something very special about pointing that's above and beyond just simply looking. So in the literature, people often will say, if a child's looking or engaged, that's the best time to label. But the reality is what we're seeing is that there's something unique about a child's point. Mm -hmm. And point has got a lot of attention, especially in the you know evolutionary literature, because we don't see pointing in other yep. non-human mm -hmm. species. Okay, so I do, I do have one other question for you. So at what age should we start teaching? Should we have a gesturing class at the Duke? Should we start? <laughs> we already do. You yes. do? <laughs> yes. So well, introduction to gesturing, yes. advanced gesturing. I am certainly going to start gesturing a lot. <laughs> You'll thank be pointing you. every day. Well, thank uh, you. Not, not just pointing, I'm, I'm yes. lots of gestures. Yes. Uh, yes. Very good. Thank you very, very thank much. You. Thank you. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely of Duke University. To further expand your understanding of dishonesty, irrationality, and other human quirks, go to danarielli.com.